Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. I'm here with my guy, Sunil. How you doing, man? Fantastic, man. I don't know what it's been like in the Bay, but out here it's been kind of like hit or miss with the weather, but we've had two days back-to-back where the sun finally came out. So excited about that, man. Excited about getting my tan. I go from just Indian or possibly Indian to Hispanic to like Dominican, Puerto Rican when I get my tan. So the tan, man, that's how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. I go from light skin to something else back to it. You know, it's just <laughs> a quick back and forth between the seasons. That's it how is. it goes. But Sunil, wait, has it been raining out there? Nah, it hasn't been raining, but it's been overcast. Uh, most of this whole quote unquote, I guess I don't know exactly when summer starts. I, I always think it's June, but same. Yeah. Um, most of June has been pretty overcast, but the last few days, the sun's finally coming out. So maybe we're okay. officially in summer. Hey, but enough about the weather. We're not <laughs> weathermen. We got to talk some 49ers. And, you know, it's been a, not necessarily a busy week, but today was an interesting day to cap it off right before me and Sunil went live. Adam Schefter goes on to the Pat McAfee show today, dropped a couple of nuggets. The first important one, he said that, there was no trade market for Trey Lance um, earlier uh, this offseason. Obviously, for context, there were a lot of reports around the NFL draft that the 49ers could trade Trey Lance, that that could have been a possibility if they got a package, like a package that blew their mind. But here's Schefter's quote. There really was never a lot of interest in Trey Lance. For what they gave up and what they get back, which is not very much at all, it doesn't make sense to trade him. There was no trade market, and Kyle Shanahan has said that they didn't have any trade talks with teams. He's not going anywhere right now. He's there. Clearly, Trey Lance is on the team, but does it surprise you at all that Trey Lance had no market um, for teams coveting a quarterback going into the draft? That would surprise me, but I also am questioning the source, right? Because Adam Schefter, I think, for some reason, seems to have a very altered a sense of what Trey Lance is. And I feel like even in what he was saying, he contradicted himself. So he was saying there's no trade market, but the 49ers didn't get enough to warrant justifying trading him because that, you know, of what they gave up. And it's like, well, is there no trade market or was there just not enough um, that the 49ers felt like they wanted to trade Trey Lance to me? it's either nobody was interested or people were interested. And so I was a little bit confused as far as what Schefter was saying. And then obviously he, he moved on in that quote and said he, he, uh, his opinion is that Sam Darnold would be the number two quarterback. So I'm just like, where, like, what, how could you say that after just OTAs where it was clear, I believe that, Trey Lance outplayed Sam Darnold in OTAs and has a better sense of what the team playbook is and all that kind of stuff, which is understandable because Sam Darnold's brand new to the team. Like, where is this uh, Sam Darnold is going to be number two? It's just like, it's just more clicks and and things of that nature. Now, why I think it 
it doesn't make sense is because we know that there are teams that are in need of a quarterback, are in need of, uh, you know, a, a plan, a succession plan, right? The Raiders, Minnesota, like, you know, teams that we know have, or maybe not the Raiders, but definitely Minnesota have shown interest in Trey Lance previously to act like there's no market for him, I think is, is overstating it. Now, was there somebody that's willing to give up a high draft pick? I could see that not being the case because one, you know, Trey Lance hasn't played him well enough to really warrant a high draft pick and he hasn't shown to be able to stay healthy either playing you know as a starter so I, I could see that but I think it was strong wording saying there's no trade market I understand maybe they're not getting enough back which is what Adam Schefter does he, he comes out extremely strong worded and then he he backs away he backpedals away from what his original statement was this is kind of uh classic Adam Schefter when it comes to his, when he's reporting about the 49ers. And I think you'll start seeing him backpedal away from this um, comment, just like he's done previously this off season. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about Trey Lance and the market, here's what I'll say. Adam Schefter brought up two points, right? He brought up, there was no market for Trey Lance, but he also brought up what we all heard, which is Kyle Shanahan had said the team wasn't looking to trade him. I kind of put two and two together. There is no trade market for Trey Lance, but the reason that there's no trade market is because San Francisco has set a price that is too high for teams to engage in any conversation. That's the way that it was phrased earlier in the offseason, where it was essentially going to take a package they couldn't refuse for them to move on from Trey Lance. Clearly, a team isn't going to give up a high-round pick for a guy who, uh, in Trey Lance's case, hasn't played within his first few years in the NFL, is on a pretty, pretty uh, expensive contract and would likely have to give up capital. Obviously, the contract doesn't matter when you're trading him, but would likely have to give up capital because San Francisco is taking on even more dead money to move off of Trey Lance. And so I don't think the, the value is there for teams to engage in conversation. And I think that that's where uh, the no trade market kind of stems from. Obviously, if you say Trey Lance is uh, available for a late round pick, then I think the conversation changes because teams, it's essentially like free agency there, but you're giving a late round pick to ensure that you get the guy. And so I think teams would bite then. I just think the trade value is too high because of two reasons. One, um, San Francisco understands they have to eat some money to get him. And two, they value him on their roster. I don't think it's in their benefit themselves to move on from Lance, especially at the draft, without even having an opportunity to see what he would provide this offseason, but more importantly, without having clearance on how Brock Purdy would look coming back from injury. That's the main reason, because if he doesn't look as strong, you know, you only have two quarterbacks going into uh, the regular season with Lance on the field, and only one you trust likely in Darnold if Lance gets traded. Yeah, but... You know, I, I don't know if we're going more into the Schefter thing, but his, I could see if he was coming from it from an unbiased perspective, but I don't know if you agree. It seems like he has some kind of thing where he, he the sentiment or the way he's piecing these things together is devaluing Trey and trying to act like Trey can't play, right? He talked, and and I think that's more where I take a little bit offense to it. It's like I could like exactly what you said is much different from stating that there's no trade market for Trey Lance. He's putting it in like subtly that nobody's interested in Trey, whereas the nuanced take is the 49ers value Trey. So the only way you're going to be able to get him is probably overpaying from a team's perspective for a guy like Trey Lance. And that's much different as far as a narrative then nobody wants Trey Lance, which is what I think Adam Schefter was trying to put out. And I further believe that because, you know, in the same you know interview, he's talking about he believes that Sam Darnold is going to be the number two quarterback. It's like you're just pulling all of this with absolutely like no data. Like, what are you talking about? How could you state that this early on without a training camp, without you know, necessarily seeing how Brock Purdy's responding to uh, the surgery and 
seeing how Trey Lance is playing, like that's where I'm like, I, I don't know if I believe Adam Schefter just because it's like so slanted one direction. It kind of reminds me of like how Colin Cowherd, um, he, he uh, reports on Trey Lance. It's like, he's already a bust. He's, he's not good. He's not, he's not this, he's not that. It's like the kid hasn't even played and you're over here just trashing his ability. It's like, where are you pulling this from? Because I don't think it's coming from the team because we know Kyle Shanahan thinks extremely high uh, of Trey Lance. And from everything that we've heard from the OTAs, he's improved from, you know, the past few years. So to me, I think I, I just don't trust Adam Schefter anymore um, based on, especially when it comes around Trey Lance. And here's what I'll say about the topic. Now, I'm not going to single out Adam Schefter necessarily, but I think in general with the national reporters, a lot of people obviously were irked in a way when they got the number three overall pick wrong because, you know, a lot of people thought it was Mac Jones because the 49ers made everyone believe it was Mac Jones. And I think that you've heard this narrative a little bit from the outside media and uh, you know, about Sam Darnold kind of having a rejuvenation kind of period in uh, in San Francisco. Here's exactly what Darnold's, uh, sorry, what Schefter said about Darnold for those wondering today. Sam Darnold signed with the 49ers on the first day of free agency. And if there's a player signing with the team on the first day that tells you the team really liked that guy, and they really did like Sam Darnold. He was looking at a couple of different options. He chose the 49ers. Then he went on the starting situation and said, let's also be very clear that Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, he's the guy on opening day. He's the starting quarterback. He's the number one. If he's not, for some reason he can't go, we'll see how Darnold and Trey Lance do in camp this summer. My guess would be Darnold has a chance to really shine and excel, but there's a lot of preseason football left for those two guys to distinguish themselves. So it's essentially, you know, there's been a lot of praise towards Darnold, be it Schefter, be it Ian Rappaport, uh, overall, there has been a lot of praise. And again, if Donald comes out and he wows, he wows us with his performance in training camp, then it's well-deserved. Because if he truly has, you know, uh, turned a different leaf operating with this 49ers team and proves himself to be that second quarterback, then it's deserved. But right now there isn't, hasn't at least within the 49ers hasn't been any indication that Darnold has uh, the upper edge on Lance. If, if anything, I think there's been an indication the other way based on how players and coaches have talked so far. But yeah, you know, that, that portion is certainly interesting, um, that, uh, that certain narrative. But I think it mostly comes down to people understanding that they were initially wrong when, it for, when, it, when the news first came out, that kind of thing. Yeah, and if if that's the case, that's so petty. Because what does Trey Lance have to do with that? You know what I mean? Like it, it has nothing to do with Trey Lance. And if you're invested in a kid failing just so that you can have some told you so moment, like who are you as a as a, a football analyst, newsbreak, whatever Adam Schefter's role is? Like to me, um, to me, yeah. And and what Jesse's saying, like it's complete speculation. But the thing, like I said, that I take offense to, it's leaning towards one way. And it's like, you're not meant to go out there and give your opinions. You're supposed to give your opinions based off of some kind of data. But there isn't any data that's pointing towards, you know, Trey, uh, Sam Darnold outplaying Trey Lance. Maybe there will be during training camp. I would That would be surprising to me because we've seen Sam Darnold in, in two, two NFL organizations and you know we we kind of know what what he is where you know i i don't see him overtaking trey lance who's been in the system for this is going on his third year so we'll see and yeah i i, I agree we'll see how it goes in the offseason obviously all contention on what happens with brock purdy but the one thing i do want to say about this situation no market for trey lance the way that i phrased it I think that that's understandable. As for, do I believe there's no interest around the league for Trey Lance? I don't think so. I think he's seen a little bit in the similar market as Jordan Love heading into the offseason, where the team behind um, the quarterback is pretty confident in that guy. Obviously, different situations with how Brock Purdy played, and also it's similar more, to, more so to Lance last year. 
But obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty around that situation. Reason I bring up Jordan Love, Gregus Khan here gave us a comment. Wouldn't surprise me to see the 49ers not pick up Lance's fifth-year option and extend him to a cheap deal in similar fashion to what the Packers did with Love. I love this comment because I actually insinuated something very similarly last week in that I don't think the 49ers, if they were given the option right now, would pick up Trey Lance's fifth-year option especially if he plays this year. I think it's a guarantee if he doesn't start this year, they won't pick it up. But I think if, if he plays this year, I think that they'll try and negotiate a very similar package with what they did with Jordan Love. Obviously, speculation to where he uh, where he comes in this year. But I don't see the 49ers giving Lance a fully guaranteed deal on that fifth-year option. Instead, I think they do something where the quarterback bets on himself but also gets a guarantee for that next year's salary in a way and a two-year stint to prove he's the guy. So I might push back on this. I think that there's two scenarios that – or maybe there's three scenarios, right? So the first scenario is if Trey Lance doesn't play this season, that means that Brock Purdy was the starter, stayed healthy the whole time, and – um, you know, played well, right? If that's the case, Lance isn't on this team next year. The second scenario is Trey Lance plays, doesn't play well. Um, once again, Lance isn't going to be on this team next year because then they're going to need, you know, it's probably a combination of Brock Purdy. If he got injured or if he didn't play well, it's probably Kirk Cousins season for the 49ers next year, right? Um or the third scenario is Lance plays, he balls out, and then he becomes the 49ers starting quarterback. And if that's the case, Rohan, I do think they pick up the fifth-year option because in that case, you have a guy, you want him to be on a team-friendly deal, and you're probably buying in. Like, I don't think they're going to need another year for, for Lance to prove it. The reason why they had to do that with Jordan Love is because they haven't seen a year of him play um as the four uh, as the green bay starter whereas in this scenario if lance plays we're expecting him to play deep playoff run all that you're gonna have enough i guess of a um sample size at this point to know if this is your guy or not type of thing so to me it's if they're gonna keep him on the team i believe they pick up his fifth year option because that means that they believe he's the guy moving forward if any other scenario where they're not sure about him, I think they get rid of him this offseason because at that point, you already have either picked a guy in Brock Purdy or you're bringing in somebody else. I don't think they go through this whole conversation again between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. I think they figure it out after this season if they have somebody or they go out, whether it be Kirk Cousins or somebody else, and bring in a, a veteran to, to solidify that quarterback. They draft somebody in the first round. First round draft picks as a left tackle, man. That's I signed that in blood, man. That it's a it's a first round pick this this 2024 draft is a is a left tackle. Nope, it's gonna be a running back. <laughs> That's all right though. Um, but I, I I understand. I do understand what you mean. The different situation because one didn't play really, didn't start, and if Lance played this year, he would start. And I like your breakdown of the scenario. The way that I see it, I think. Um, is I think this case can occur if Lance goes through growing pains as expected in his first full year as a starter. He has an up-and-down year, a lot of promise. Inconsistency is still there. 49ers do fairly well. I can I think I can definitely see the 49ers going with this scenario um, and I, I, I at least trying to advertise this scenario. Not sure exactly what Lance would, uh, Lance's camp would agree to based on his year. But I do think that that's a good case, um, and I think the 49ers still, if he if he plays, and he either even if he has inconsistencies but shows flashes, or if he plays and balls out, I think that they will add, uh, they will like look to at least get him back for two more years to maximize this, you know, so-called uh, rookie contract window. Even even though the fifth year is a little more, maximize the window so that they can have as many chances as with the championship before having to revert to a bigger contract at quarterback. Yeah, so I think it's just a different scenario, but the Jordan Love contract, I don't think that makes sense for the 49ers because I think 
after this season, they 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 have to make a decision on Trey Lance. Whereas with the Jordan Love deal, it was so they didn't have to necessarily make a decision. They still have an extra year to get off of that contract type of thing. So uh, that's where I think it's different. That's fair. That's fair. Going uh, forward, we got a couple of guys in the comments. Want to give a shout out. Uh, Eddie G, thank you for tuning in. First of all, uh, Potobo Hammer, thank you for tuning in as always. Supreme 69, Gregus as always, Slick 68. And last but not least, Last Second Sports, thank you for tuning in. He comments, Schefter sounded fully speculative to me in the uh, conversation that he had with the Pat Mac on the Pat McAfee show, talking about Sam, uh, Sam and Trey. Do you think, like, in general, not only would spec uh, Schefter, do you think that they're getting information from a certain source might be biased one way or another? Or do you think it is more speculation when they're talking like that? Yeah, earlier on, I think that I always thought that it was um, <laughs> Jesse. Um, earlier on, I, I thought that uh, everything was speculation because I thought that the 49ers were just so close, like so close lipped when it came to the media, like especially Kyle Shanahan. He just has, you know, he doesn't enjoy the media uh, per se, but so many of those story, stories that we thought were speculation actually came out to be true, whether it be Trey Lance arm fatigue or um, the Debo trade request, things like that. So for me, I do think that there's somebody in the front office that does leak information. Um, I'm assuming it's somebody close to John Lynch because whenever the, the stuff does come out, it seems to be on the John Lynch side of what he uh, tends to believe about certain players and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, they're probably hearing something, but specifically Adam Schefter in this in, in this comment, I, I would agree with Jesse. I think he is speculating, but but trying to make it seem as if it's an educated from sources type of thing without it's all about plausible deniability for Schefter. He's gonna moonwalk it back if you know he gets some pushback, you know, for the third time I'm saying that 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 term. Um, if he gets some pushback, he'll definitely walk it back and be like, well, it was more, you know, me kind of just reading the tea leaves based off of the contract that they gave him. And, you know, when he when he signed it, it just seems as if he would be the guy kind of thing. And it's like, got some right, beef definitely. with Shefty. Yeah, got, I mean, sure. I know a lot of 40 veteran fans who have a lot of beef with Shefty, you know, after the last. You know what it was after after um, I think it was. I think what, what what was it this year? Um, the quarterback that passed from the oh Steelers. yeah Haskins thing yeah, yeah. after the way he, he handled had the, tweet, the yeah. Haskins tweet to me it was like dude you obviously lost a lot of credibility to me because you show that you don't care about the players and the families and, and things like that all of these people are just numbers and names for your tweets and to me when you see somebody who doesn't care about the humans they could say whatever so to me that's that's why i just i take him with a grain of salt now ever since the haskins tweet enough about adam schefter enough even about the quarterbacks because let's talk some other things the 49ers have a lot of other positions that uh should be addressed and before we get to training camp and really what to look at let's talk about some underrated positions what do i mean by underrated positions the positions that are going to be a little more crucial for the 49ers than we might anticipate. Do you have any groups in mind do you think that fit under this category for the 49ers? I actually have three specific positions for you, Rohan. I like it. Let's um, do it. So the first one is going to be the third cornerback. And what I mean by that is not the slot cornerback because I think um, that one is going to have a definitive role, and I think it's going to be um, – is it Isaiah uh, is going to end up being that. But we have Traverius Ward. We have um, Diamador Lenore. That's bona fide CB1 and 2. Who's going to be the person off the bench that comes in if and when one of those players is injured? And I think that's been something that has been critical to when – the 49ers have had success is that that those cornerbacks have played really, really well, right? We've, we've seen Mosley come in 
and uh, you know, previously be that third guy. Then he turned into the second guy. Then when he went down, we saw um, the, this last year, we saw Diamond Lenore come in and really solidify that. Right now, we have some names that we think could be that guy. Obviously, I think Samuel Womack is the leader in the locker room to play that role as the third um, outside corner. But I think it's so important, Rohan, especially in uh, the league right now with so many great wide receivers. Like every team has minimum two, but a lot of times three really, really good receivers. You have to have corners that are that are capable of of playing well and and really making sure that they're able to do their job. Otherwise, it's really tough to play defense um, in this league. So that's the first one. What do you think about that? I think that that's a good one. And cornerback was certainly on my mind. And it's not even really about who that third – well, it is about who the third guy is, but it's also pointing to the fact that – this applied a little more last year, but there have been injuries at that cornerback position. First of all, when you talk about injuries, number one, Traverius Ward durable in terms of game to game. I don't think Traverius Ward missed much action at all last year. Looking it up right now as I talk, but Traverius Ward is pretty durable when it comes to in games. He played in all or 17 of the 18 games last year. Um he missed just one game. I believe it was uh ooh if I'm one of the regular I'm, season games. Yeah, it was I think week 6 if I'm not okay. mistaken, but Ward was durable last year, but in general, Ward is tend to miss about three to four games dating back to 2020 and 2021. I'm not worried about him missing full games. More so, it's the in-game kind of issues. Ward has, you know, it's it's just just the, the the way of football, right? He got beat up a couple of times in games where he had to be pulled for a couple of reps, and that's the toughest portion because it's not like you have a week of preparation for the for one guy to get reps with the ones, for one guy to uh, you know be fully integrated in the game plan. It's him jumping into the game immediately. And so that third guy has got to come in with a look of confidence, and it's also going to be a young guy, right, because of the 49er cornerbacks on the roster. They're all fairly young, especially the backups. It's going to be a young guy, and so whoever that is, he's going to be tasked potentially with playing as a starting corner and being targeted right as he steps on the field in games. And so I do think that that position is important because whoever it is might need to hold his ground for just a few plays in some games, and those plays could be very crucial. I know the Atlanta Falcons, when Ward went out in that Week 6 game, targeted Samuel Womack, looked to try and go at him, try to put mess match on him like Kyle Pitts and different things like that, scored a couple of points that way when they were passing the football. And you could point out a couple of other uh, situations as well. That's uh, the unfortunate reality of football. So you hope, you know, whoever it is that ends up placing Ward or ends up placing Lenore on the outside as that third, as that essentially backup cornerback can hold their ground for that little portion of time. Yeah, so that's my first one. I think that's extremely important. And, you know, you would think that now secondary can actually move to one of the strengths, especially with Steve Wilkes now being the defensive coordinator, that being more of his specialty. And, you know, we, we've we've tend to kind of now just assume that um, 49ers second-year players are going to take a big leap because we've seen it so many times. And, you know, we saw – flashes of Samuel Womack, his potential. So, you know, you hope that he takes that next step. And we've heard great things about him in, in, you know, the OTA so far. So that's one. The next one we've discussed, I think, a lot um, on the on our previous shows, and that's who's the backup swing tackle, right? I think we used to have um, we used to have Daniel Brunskill who could kind of play that left tackle, right tackle, just in case, you know, any one of those guys go down with an injury. We don't have that type of player right now. We're really deep when it comes to inside uh, inside O-line players, interior offensive line. But outside of, obviously, Trent, who's the best tackle in the game, and then Colin McKivitz, who, you know, it, it, to, I think is going to play very well, but still, you know, unproven type of player. But he's, you know, penciled in as he is going to be the right tackle. The depth behind them is not good right or we don't know who is going to be that person and i think that's once again you know if any of these tackles go down what is the backup plan you know do we really want to see Jalen jump in there again knowing how how terrible he's held up at, at the tackle position 
Like who who's gonna play that role? Is it gonna be? Um, I know you like uh, who who is it? Um, I don't like any of them. I'll be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> I know you mentioned some guy before. But... Uh, the three guys though that are kind of in that role is Moore. He's been uh, the one at left tackle with Williams out. Pryor has been the the two at right tackle behind McKivitz, and then Watson, Leroy Watson has been Watson. I think you said that more. Yeah, maybe he's gonna. But you know, you you now I think you're off of that. And then obviously there's um, Fisher, who they brought in as an undrafted, um, who has played right tackle in college. But you know, is is he big enough? If he's even gonna make the roster, right? Um, uh, 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 is he gonna make the fifty three? So to me, that's extremely important because we know it's football. There are going to be injuries, right? And we don't know who that who's going to be that that swing tackle. So that's a, a position that I think is extremely important for them to figure out, um, especially with how important the offensive line is. You already know this one's one of the most important things to, to solve because when it comes to the 49ers and, you know, uh, offensive line injuries, they have had them but they've somehow able, been able to manage in the regular season in the past. You know, obviously that right side of the offensive line in 2021 got killed when it came playoff time, when you had Tom Compton and Daniel Brunskill kind of in there on that right side. But you've had McKivitz come in in spot uh, starting um, roles, you know, a couple of times for Trent Williams. Mike McGlinchey's gone out. Tom Compton was all right. He was serviceable uh, when McGlinchey was out. And so you've had a couple of these injuries. Trent Williams, you we already know how dominant Trent Williams is as a offensive, you know, as an offensive tackle, but he has missed a couple of games, you know, um, and it's not too many, right? But if you look in his last few seasons, really, um, in, in San Francisco, played 14 games one year, so missed three, played 15 games another, missed two, played 14 games this past year, missed four. And so you know, it, it's, it's, you're just, or sorry, missed three. Um, so you're, you're missing a couple of games here and there. It's not too, too necessarily big of a deal, but you know, those couple of games, you want somebody who you trust. Right. In the past, they had Brunskill. Sometimes they had McKivitz. They had some guys who they believe they could trust. I think these options that they have right now are worse than the options they've had in the past. I think that this could quite be a, a legitimate problem for the 49ers having you know it, especially having one side of that offensive line neutralized because you don't have mike mcglinchy anymore you don't know how colton mckivitz is going to be as a run defense or run blocker because in the past when you didn't have trent williams you'd shift the game plan you'd run a lot to that right side you'd run behind mcglinchy and fuel that running attack through there now you don't have mcglinchy and trent couldn't miss a couple of games again how how exactly will they implement their offensive attack that's a question, and that's why I think when we get to in a little bit, some of that money could be diverted to a tackle. George Fant's still on the market. Some could be diverted to a tackle to play that swing role in 2023. Likely can't trade for one. Really hard to trade for offensive linemen, especially tackles, but could be some money. But if not, 49ers might be in for a surprise. Yeah, and you know, you would never think that we'd miss Brunskill, but you know, I would feel a lot more comfortable if Brunskill was still on this team. Um, and then the last position for me, it's not even a position, it's a player, Jake Moody. Um, so we've kind of come to just uh, accept or just kind of, if if there's a field goal under 40 yards, Robbie Gold is going to make it, right? No matter what the situation is, no matter what the uh, – what what uh the the weather conditions are no matter how much pressure it is good as gold when it's under 40 yards right jake Mo obviously gold isn't on the team anymore jake moody they used a, a high a third round draft pick to pick this guy there's already going to be pressure on him from the fan base because of you know using a third round draft pick the reason why he was brought in was because he known as a clutch kicker in college and he has a stronger leg so is, is he going to be able to perform at a high level that the expectations are going to be there for him so is he going to be as dominant is he going to be as reliable and is he going to actually be give us the ability to now score points where we weren't maybe 
able to score points before because of the limitations of Robbie Gold when anything past 50 yards, even though I think last season he went two for two um, past 50 yards. But will Kyle Shanahan take more of those chances with Jake Moody, knowing that, you know, he can kick it maybe from 60 yards type of thing. So, but special teams we know has been make or break for teams like you know a lot of these games especially in the playoffs it's not it's not two touchdown games it's a field goal you know last second field goal or a, or a missed field goal here and there being the difference between a team winning and a team losing so um you know 49ers have super bowl aspirations having a reliable kicker is going to make or break that as we've seen so jake moody i think has to show that reliability and it starts with you know training camp you're right and and this one's going to be an interesting one i don't know exactly how you're going to be able to judge jake moody um you know how how to judge jake moody until we really see him in in-game action but to me the question isn't about his career to me the question is his immediate impact how is he going to be in 2023 because the 49ers took a third round pick on him with the expectation that he was the automatic starter at kicker heard good things so far but you know it hasn't been a great track record i wrote a couple of articles did a lot of research on kickers surprisingly but wrote a lot of uh did a lot of research on kickers hasn't been a great track record for kickers drafted this high and really kickers drafted in general you know if you look at the top 10 kickers last year eight of the ten were undrafted and the learning curve uh you know the one guy you could relate to Cade york a guy who similar to moody had a huge leg coming out of uh lsu in the 20 what is it 2022 draft had a huge leg similar things similar accuracy ended up kicking 75 percent last year you expect moody to be you know closer to that top 10 really top five range as a kicker given the way he was drafted not necessarily in his rookie year but you're hoping he can you know be amongst the best kickers next year the important thing how does he perform in the playoffs because that's the one thing you could depend on for Aubrey Gould a guy who has been through it all he could perform in the playoffs held you know really high standards and so Moody does have high standards in that regard obviously the kicker position decentivized a little bit with the new kickoff rule but overall Moody was tasked with uh, really helping improve that special teams unit not only and uh, kickoffs and things like that, but also with the big leg that he provides, will be up to him to see how much he can produce and how well he can produce immediately, because that's the task for him coming into year one. Yeah, and so those are the three major ones um, for me, Rohan, but one fun one that I'm looking forward to is RB2, right? That was so the I one think... I was actually gonna bring up myself, <laughs> but go for nice. it. Yeah, so I mean, obviously on paper, you would think it's Elijah Mitchell based off of just, his production his rookie season and when he's been able to play even last season he performed i think pretty well however undisclosed injury in the otas obviously his his biggest uh hurdle is availability is it time you know we've been seeing you know jordan mason really kind of showing more in the passing game uh he's obviously you know played shown flashes last season in his rookie year is he going to solidify and maybe take that position away from Elijah Mitchell as the solidified RB2? You know, I don't know how much the 49ers are going to play a role with that. I mean, I would love to see them go back to 2019 and have that three-headed monster where they use, you know, three running backs and kind of would take some pressure off of CMC. It hasn't seen, seemed to be that way based off of last season. Obviously, you want CMC out there as much as possible based off of his, you know, just the type of weapon he is. But you would think to keep him healthy, keep him fresh, you know, you'd want to give him give him some rest. And is it going to be Jordan Mason? Is it going to be Elijah Mitchell? I think that's going to be an interesting battle to see who kind of comes comes out of that one as the as the lead or as RB two. And I think it's also going to be an important one because Christian McCaffrey, another guy who while it wasn't last year, had been banged up before. And so one thing that I said, you know, when you want to, uh, when, when we traded for Christian McCaffrey, you want to preserve him, make sure he's good to go for the entirety of the year, right? And McCaffrey, I, I don't remember, I don't think he missed any games or maybe missed one or two, but he was banged up, right, for a good, a good amount of games, had a couple of neat things and a couple of 
lower body injuries that he was able to battle through, but he clearly wasn't as explosive, um, you know, towards the end of the season in some of those games when he was battling through those injuries. And so you want to keep McCaffrey as fresh as possible. And I also think with that second running back position, you want to keep the offense as fluid as it is with McCaffrey on the field. You obviously can't replicate what McCaffrey brings, but instead you want a guy who has a similar skill set, can catch passes out of the backfield, be a solid third down option, and also run the ball with the way that they're able to run the ball. And so I think whoever really ends up being the full, ends up looking more like the full package will take, uh, take that second role and run with it. The other part, injuries with the second teamers too, right? Mason doesn't have an injury history, but Elijah Mitchell does. And that's a huge part of what his role is going to be dictated as in 2022. Still has two years of team control left. 49ers could look to trade him, but I think it's smarter for their Super Bowl prospects if they keep him, have three solidified options, and really a guy with full gas going into, you know, into every game. But I think that RB2 role is going to be important, not only for health factors, but also for in-game factors, and also because it's one of the better competitions we might see in training camp. Yeah, and I mean, every year the 49ers have some kind of undrafted rookie that shows up, right? So like Jordan Mason did last year, right? Um, So, you know, maybe TDP doesn't make the team and, you know, some guy that we're not talking about right now shows, shows out and maybe Elijah Mitchell is a trade deadline kind of move if Jordan Mason can really solidify that. Because just like they did with Jeff Wilson Jr. last year, right? So enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try pick up an asset that they could use, um, you know, get a late round draft pick that, that, that could, they could turn into something else. So 
there's a lot of options based off of how well, you know, Jordan Mason does. And if there's any more depth at the running back position um, based off of some of these undrafted rookies that they brought in. I agree. I agree. I think that there is real quick before we get into the next topic, I want to ask you, because I think I have a different opinion this year than most. How do you think the undrafted rookies and really the late round rookies will fare in this year's uh, group? Obviously a little more of a deeper group. 49ers had a good amount of selections and a good amount of late round selections. How do you think that those guys are going to fare against the top competition? And do you think that there could be any surprises this year? Or do you think it's going to be one, one of the more calmer years in terms of surprises with the 53 man roster? Well, I think we're starting to see now um, that not everybody that the 49ers draft is going to make the team anymore. Right. And it's it's not because they picked bad. It's because there's not that many opportunities. Right. The team is stacked. So um, so I don't expect everybody necessarily to make the make the team. Um, But I do think that there's going to be guys that play play a role. Um, You know, I think uh, the linebacker that they got from TCU, I think that he's somebody that, you know, maybe didn't come into into camp the shape that he probably should as a rookie but he's somebody who i think rohan has performed at a very high level in college obviously for uh, uh, a team that overperformed in in college this last season i think that he has the character as a leader um that the 49ers like especially at that linebacker position and he has a skill set to be able to you know um cover both both aspects whether it be in the run game or in the pass game so i think that diversity especially losing a guy like aziz he he's somebody who could step in and 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 possibly play a role and then um the other the other player to me is the uh the d lineman out of uh out of i think it was not clemson uh, georgia oh Uh, robert beal yeah yeah robert beal i think that he's gonna be a sneaky addition that I think makes the team and and could have some impact. And the reason why I think that Rohan is he's been a guy who's accustomed to play with a lot higher talent than he is because that Georgia D line, obviously I think what there's four first round draft picks that came off of that defensive line. And I think it was two years ago, he was actually the guy with the most sacks on that defensive line. So having that ability to know how to perform in a rotation where you're kind of the, the, the odd man out in the sense that nobody's really focused on you is exactly what the 49ers kind of need from, from a, a rotation defensive lineman, right? Because all of the attention is going to be on Hargrave is going to be on Bosa is going to be on Armstead, a guy like Bill, if he could come in with his limited amount of snaps, and, and be very productive, I think that's exactly, you know, we've seen that, whether it be Ebicom, whether it be Jordan Willis, my guy, um, you know, and, you know, Kerry Hyder, like these guys that end up, you know, being shipped off to other teams because they're able to perform in the 49ers scheme with Kosarik and then they go get higher payday somewhere else. Well, Bill's going to be with the team for the next few years under contract on a team-friendly deal. If you could get that similar production out of him, it's a, it's a win-win. So I think he's somebody that could definitely um, play a role. And then obviously we, obviously, you know, we're talking about later round picks. I think, I don't know if Luter would be considered a, a later round pick, but he's obviously somebody who we're talking about the secondary needs to step up. He's going to have every opportunity to play a big role on this team. Um, is he going to be able to do that? We hope so. Cause I don't know. I've been a big Amory Thomas fan and he's made me look like a fool. So I don't know if I'm gonna I'm gonna be in his camp this year. I might have to give up my uh, Ambry Thomas fandom. That's funny, but <laughs> no, I, I think talking about it, you make a good, a couple of good points, right? To me, I think the first five 49er picks are I won't say necessarily locks, but favorites to make the roster for sure, and that is the three third rounders, Luter, uh, their first fifth, and then Robert Beal. Luter obviously due to the cornerback depth, Beal due to the defensive end depth. 
After that, though, I don't think there's any real favorites to make the roster, just because the 49ers have players at the positions. 49ers drafted two intriguing linebackers. I like both of them, and Jalen Graham and D. Winters. Do I like the fact that they drafted two linebackers? Not necessarily, but I don't mind taking one in the seventh round as much as I did on draft day. And so overall, I, I like both prospects, but I don't know if there's going to be a spot for them. The 49ers like to carry five linebackers. You've got, you know, your top two in uh, Warner and Greenlaw. Then you've also got Oren Burks, who I believe will make this roster just a good special teamer and also probably the guy they're most confident in in filling that Aziz Shire role as that third linebacker on the field. On top of that, you've got guys who have flashed. Marcelino McCurry Ball is one of them. You've also got Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, a guy who's been a special teamer and a guy who's been with the team for a long time. And then you've got these two guys as well. So I think if they carry five, one of them's got a chance to make the roster. Um, you know, there I think there will be a, a nice competition between Ball between and and the two rookies for one of the spots. And so I think one of them can make the roster, but I also think there's a realistic chance that both of them could get cut. I think that there's a good chance, not a good chance, but I think there is a chance that both of them get cut. Then you get on to the seventh round picks, right? And there are a couple of intriguing options there as well. Uh, or D winners was a sixth, but um, Braden Willis is one of them, Ronnie Bell, and then obviously the linebacker and Jalen Graham that I just talked about. Uh, Braden Willis is an interesting one. 49ers like to carry three tight ends, did uh, carry four last year. Will they do it again? If they do, Willis will kind of be in that competition with, um, you know, with Ross Dwelly to be for that fourth spot. And I'd expect him to win that. But I don't know if they carry four, which leads to the fact, can Willis beat out Charlie Warner? I don't know about that right now. And so he might be a nice developmental guy and be brought up next year as a, you know, kind of a do-it-all type of player at the tight end position. Then you have Ronnie Bell. Receiver, I think they carry the same five that they did last year. You've got five solid guys on your roster. Samuel Ayuk, Jennings, Debo, Oh, sorry, uh, not Debo, Danny Gray, and then Ray Ray McLeod. I think that those are the five they carry. And on top of that, they've got some intriguing options at receiver. Tay Martin's one of them. Ronnie Bell has flash. He's another guy. I just think it's a little tough for those guys to kind of make the roster there at the bottom. As for undrafted uh, free agents, this might be the first year that we've seen in a while where an undrafted free agent does not make the roster. Just think at the positions that they were brought in just a little too much of a log jam. You know, the top guy that they brought in uh, that a lot of people felt was their top guy was Joey Fisher, the tackle who they believe is going to be a guard at the next level. I just think they've got good guard depth right now in Nick Sakel and also in Jason Poe alongside John Feliciano. I think that there could be a competition amongst those three themselves where it might be tough for an undrafted guy to come in. So I think this year, more than most for the 49ers, given the state of the roster, might be harder for some of those, you know, later round guys and undrafted free agents to really make the roster. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think hopefully some of these guys can make it through the pra practice squad type thing and, you know, don't get picked up from by other teams because especially um, the line, um, the tight end you were talking about, I think they were talking about maybe tr transitioning him to a fullback. And, yeah. uh, you know, especially with, I don't know how much longer um, Juice is going to be on the team. I think this is probably his last year. So yep. they're going to need somebody to kind of move into that role. So maybe, you know, they try to figure something out to keep him on the 53 just so that they don't lose him through, uh, you know, through waivers or whatnot if he doesn't make the make the roster. And I don't know. I, I don't know if he'll be lost through waivers. Obviously, that's another big question. They lost Tariq Castro-Fields, a guy who I was high on last year, to waivers. But – I, I don't know if they're going to try and save a spot for a guy who they believe will be a fullback in a way. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like going forward. And so, but if they do, I mean, that just shows how much they value him if they do. But yeah, I think that a lot of these guys could become practice squad guys. The linebacker that doesn't get cut, uh, or the linebacker that does get cut if they keep one of the two rookies, I think he's definitely a clear practice squad guy for the next year because guys like Demetrius Fanning and Fouts, you know, will eventually uh, go elsewhere after their one-year deals come up. And so you'll have space there. And also, if you look at the future, Dre Greenlaw 
likely does not sign another deal with the 49ers, understanding the financial ramifications that uh, that will come with that deal. Greenlaw could demand in excess of $10 million a year after signing a deal for just under that on a two-year deal going into his prime. And so I think that that could be possible. Greg Khan brings up Jack Coletto here. Might make the team as a sixth running back as a fullback. Kind of the same analysis I gave with Braden Willis. I understand the interest behind Jack Coletto, but I do believe that was more so in, you know, that undrafted free agent type of range. And that's why the 49ers went out and got him, maybe paid a little more than they uh, normally would have for Jack Coletto. I don't think that teams are going to look to spend a 53-man spot for a fullback. First of all, just because teams know nowadays don't really operate with the fullback, and I also don't think, um, you know, keeping a guy like that, even though he's versatile on a backup role, don't think that that's going to be as enticing for some teams, which is why I believe they can keep him on that roster, on the practice squad, that is. But to cap up today, I want to talk to you about battles in camp. You brought up one of them, and June brought up the same question. Steve Wilkes said Ambry Thomas has been doing well. Does he make the team? Quarterback's the first place where we can start. We talked about Darrell Luter a little bit. What do you think about the backups there? How do you think that goes out? So I think the first thing to talk about is how many do they keep? I think last year they kept five or six. It was six, but they one of them, I believe, was for an IR spot. Um, it was oh, – I forget his name, but right. it was – no, no. Verrett was on PUP, but it was a different guy that I forget his name. He got cut, though, after uh, coming off of IR. It was Anthony. I don't think it was Anthony Harris. It was something like that, though. So let's say six, then. Let's say six. So we already know Mooney Ward, Diamato Lenore, Womack. Um, I think, is it, what's Isaiah's last name? Um, Isaiah Oliver. Isaiah Oliver, I think, makes the team. So that's four there. So there's two more spots, right? Yeah. So those spots are going to be between Luter, um, Ambry Thomas, uh, Quez. I think that's it, right? Those three probably vying for two spots if they keep six, right? If they keep – so let's – if we're talking about six, then it's um, the three starters, and then it's also – yeah, Luter and Ambry Thomas are there. And then um, amongst the backups as well, or sorry, you've got. Um, so I think the four that are locks are Ward, um, Lenore, Womack, and uh, Oliver. I think those four are. I agree. For sure. I, so I agree. Depending yeah. on if they keep five or six. So in this estimation, we're saying six. So it's going to be out of Luter, Thomas, and Quez, right? Yeah. Um, so. I, I would kind of probably give the edge to Luter and Thomas. Thomas just because he's been on the team the longest. So there's some seniority there. Um, and then Luter obviously was a, a draft pick. So, you know, I would probably say maybe those two. But if Quest comes out, I know he's had some flashes as well um, every now and then. But, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that Ambry Thomas doesn't make the make the team if he doesn't outplay those two other players because I think that that's where the battle is. Yeah, and I, I think that when we come to the cornerback position, I'd assume they they, they go with five. But I think that that's how this roster will kind of compile out, which means that last spot will be a competition between Ambry Thomas, who's had some good, good reps in camp, it seems, or in uh, OTAs, and Darrell Luter. I think that those are the two that it comes down to. I'd probably right now give the edge to Luter, just given uh, his contract situation, and he was a fifth-round pick, and also I think that he might be a better fit. But we'll see how that goes. Because the reason I say five is because I think they might go a little heavier at safety and uh, kind of get one of those hybrid guys like Quantrez Knight on the roster, potentially. Could go five instead of four at safety. You've got the top two, and you've got a third guy in Jair Brown. Then, you know, you've got two more positions. George Odom is a guy who you gave a three-year deal out to. Special teamer. I think they value that special team's expertise. He could be a guy who makes the roster. That's four there. And then you've got a nice competition between Quantrez Knight, between Taylor Harkins, between a Steve Wilkes guy in Miles Hartsfeld. And I think that you 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 could find a competition there for a fifth spot. Is Quantrez Knight considered a safety or a corner? He's a hybrid. He's a guy who I personally believe is better at safety. 
um, moved to safety after playing corner, uh, nickel corner, that is a little bit. He's a safety nickel hybrid. My, I, I thought he was better suited at safety, though. And that's, I yeah. believe, so I had where a, he might play. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if, if they keep five corners, I agree with you. I don't think Ambry Thomas makes the team. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would be a tough one. That definitely would. Last thing I want to I want to bring up though, we'll get some other battles next week, but 49ers haven't touched their cap space. You know that that's been something they haven't really gone uh gone with. Why do you think that is? Yeah, and the interesting thing is we know that the Nick Bosa extension is going to happen as well, so they're going to even Correct. free up more cap space. So I think they're at what around 10 million right now, and you would assume you know how much do you think they'd free up with uh, the Bosa extension? Another five, six. I don't know exactly how much it'll be, but I'd say, yeah, maybe, maybe five million, maybe five million. So let's say, you know, conservatively, they're going to have anywhere from 12 to 15 million uh, free. I know you're, I, I, you know, you kind of mentioned where you think uh, they might go with that money. For me, I think it's going to be a uh, defensive edge rusher. Um, and I think that the reason why they haven't spent that money is twofold. One, they want to give the guys that they have on the roster right now a chance to see what they have, you know, namely Drake Jackson. I think Cleveland Farrell has been showing some flashes as well. So they want to kind of see, okay, what, what do we really have with these guys? The second thing is there's a lot of great edge rushers out there right now. You know, um, obviously Yannick Ngakwe is somebody that we're all eyeing, but even, you know, Jadavian Clowney is out there. Houston's out there. So there's, there's quite a few, you know, and, and not to mention, you know, Chase Young seems to be on the market. Daniil Hunter is out there as well. So there's quite a bit of um, saturation at that mar- in that market. The, the longer the 49ers hold out, the better bargain they're going to get closer and closer to camp, right? Because now, then these guys are going to get desperate. And maybe some of these guys that are looking for multiple-year contracts are realizing that market isn't out there. So then they could get them on a one-year deal, you know, with incentive-laden type of thing, or however would Bennett what Parag ever wants to do to like make it a 49er friendly type contract, like we know he knows how to do. So I think that's the real reason is that because there's so many guys that would fit that mold for the 49ers, I think they're being patient, knowing that as they get closer and closer to camp, it's going to become uh, a, a more and more team-friendly deal from one of these players. I, I think so. I, I think that patience is there. I also don't. I, I I don't think that there's really a rush for them. I think it's more so a rush on the player side to get signed now because really, you know, leading up to the dead period, which is this 40-day period before camp, there's not much rush, right? You have a lot of time, but now that the dead period's over, teams have an understanding of where their roster is. They have an understanding of what they want to do. This is where it starts to ramp up, and so I think it's more so on the player side. We want to get signed right now. And that's where we're going to look to go. And so 49ers, I think that, yeah, they, they've got money to make a move. They've got a couple of positions where they can look at, too. Talk about tackle. We talked about talk about defensive end. You could see, uh, you know, that edge rusher role where there's a lot of depth still there. You, you could even see a move for cornerback if they if they want to solidify that depth. You know, they've got a couple of different areas where they can go and get some money. The other thing, though, could be. They want to just save it for the midseason move, where uh, because you know that helped them out last year. You you eat the money in the deal when it comes to a midseason move. You don't pay as much. That could be a caveat for the 49ers as well. The other case obviously is uh, leftover money. It translates uh, to the next year in the next year's salary cap. Could save some money there, but they should have a good amount of money. You know, around tenish, well, a little more than tenish million. Once Nick Bosa has that extension announced, which should come around training camp time. Yeah, and, and with that much money, like you know, we're assuming it'll probably be between twelve and fifteen million uh, of freed up cap space. They they could do a combination of all of that, right? They they could use a portion of that to get a tackle if it ends up being a tackle if they don't like the guys on the roster, or you know, an edge, a cheaper edge for a one year, you know, five six million dollar deal, and still have room to be able to. Um, acquire a midseason move from maybe a team that's turning into a seller because their 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 season is lost for whatever reason. Um, 
you know, the 49ers could still be buyers in that midseason move. And we've seen that work out extremely well, right? And in, in, in a couple of occasions, we've seen that happen with Emmanuel Mosley. Um, no, Emmanuel Sanders, I'm sorry, in the 2019 year where they ended up making it to the Super Bowl. Obviously, CMC this last year, um, which ended up, you know, getting them on the doorstep of, of the Super Bowl. So that's always been something that the 49ers have, have used very, very well. So, you know, it, I, I still think they probably bring in a piece um, into training camp, whether that be a tackle or a D lineman. I don't think it's going to be on the corner side. I think that they like, well, they have enough, you know, there, I think, where it doesn't make sense um, since they drafted Luter, right? I think that, you know, you, you want him on the roster. Um, so, yeah, I think it's either going to be an edge if they don't, if they don't feel like they, they're getting enough out of their guys or a tackle, if they don't feel like they have enough depth there is where they spend the money. But I, I don't expect them to spend that full 12 million. Let's say, I think it's just going to be a portion of it. I agree. I don't think that they'll spend the full money, but certainly something to think about, especially with the free agents on the board. Sunil though, it's been a fun hour. Talked a lot. Talked about Troy Lance. Talked about the positions. Talked about some places where we think, you know, might be a little more crucial than uh, 49er fans might believe and potential free agent moves. Any last thoughts before we head on out of here? Uh, no. Um, just, you know, keep, keep it locked in. Training camps, you know, right around the corner. So it should get, you know, kind of exciting around here. 100%. It should get exciting. We'll uh, definitely see or we'll definitely be back with some more content coming up probably next Wednesday as usual. Thank you guys as always so much for tuning in, for your comments, for all your support. Be sure to subscribe to my channel, Sunil's as well. Be sure to go ahead, share some love, both of us. But that's all today. We will be here next week with some more content. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.